Well, good afternoon, friends, and thank you for joining us on this chilly Tuesday. You know, I saw the meme yesterday that said, all you people that were ready for fall to get here, uh, summer people are ready to have the warm weather back. But uh, 20 deg- twenty something degrees, I don't consider the fall. That's winter. <laughs> we didn't get much of a fall. I feel like we went straight from 90s to the yeah. to cold. Oh, Two good fall days. Two good fall days, and then winter comes along and is like, hello. Yeah, it's cold. So this morning, I'm driving through the parking lot, and because of the rain, there was some you know, pulled up water in a low spot, and it was covered with ice this morning. So I, I did my part. I drove I, through it to break up the I ice. went outside at 10 o'clock last night to after the we got back from the football game and everything and uh, put the little foam thingies on the faucets yeah. in my front and back because yeah. I knew it was going to drop. I don't know, like – I don't know like how cold it has to get and for how long it has to be cold for it actually to do damage, but I don't want to find out the hard way. So yeah, I found out the hard way last year. Yeah, I protected them. You, you you weren't at risk last night, but it's a good reminder just to go ahead and winterize your homes, brothers and sisters. Winterize your homes. Turn off your automatic sprinkling systems. It's not time for that anymore. So uh, we are in this series we're doing, Remain Grounded, walking through one of the earliest creeds of the people of God, the Apostles' Creed. It has been really a series that is very well received by the congregation. I am I, getting more compliments on, wow, we love this series. We love the book than uh, anything. If you're new and you don't know the book, Josh has a copy. This We Believe by Dr. Timothy Tenet, and we uh, have been using that as a guide. And You can also, buy it on Amazon if you didn't get one of our copies. Right. Um, because we've already given out our 200 copies. So, and, and what we do is we talk about last week's uh, sermon, which was he's come to judging the quick and the dead or the living and the dead, but also looking forward to this week's um, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And to that end, Josh, you want to address today's bobblehead yeah, collection. Yeah, so I went back and forth multiple times what I was going to do, and uh, I don't I don't have any ghost or Holy Spirit bobbleheads. Because um, <laughs> you can't see them. It's a ghost. Right. And so uh, I decided to go with what I consider the, uh, my trinity of sports figures and mm-hmm. athletes, my three favorite Sports figures of all time. Michael Jordan, which he's joined us before when we talked about ascending. Right. He was here. He was here. Uh, But uh, Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Tiger Woods are my three favorite athletes of all time. And uh, and so the we are completing the Trinity um, Mm -hmm. as we move into the I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, figured why not go with my Trinity of sports figures? But if you were gonna be like truly Trinitarian, this would all be like one person. Three people. One's the okay, don't three. mess with my bobbleheads. Well, like, like, <laughs> it's like I'm gonna watch this one. and see where these this goes. These are my goes. three favorite bobbleheads, and you're about to break them. <laughs> I'm gonna break them. You can break him. I could. <laughs> okay, but we're not we're advocating not violence today. All right. We're not gonna do uh, that. And of course, I look at that and I'm thinking, so there needs to be a Mount Rushmore. There needs to be a fourth favorite athlete. From my perspective, I do not see a baseball player on there. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a baseball and, guy. And from Jeff's hey, Bo, perspective, there's not a. Well, yeah, but yeah, there you go. I get, okay, I'll I take that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So then, then we need a hockey player for Jeff. Jeff, you doing well today? <laughs> doing good. Doing real good. Uh, yes, I do have a. You've got your own hockey ah. player. My own hockey bobblehead, thanks to Josh. You know, uh, got a, a old per- Peter Arvinitas from the 
uh, old original Oklahoma City Blazers. So, and he has a pretty impressive mullet on that bobblehead. So. Oh yes, he had a glorious hair back in the day, but if, uh, if, not so much now. If I were to complete <laughs> the the three with a Mount Rushmore, and it was a hockey player, it'd be Wayne Gretzky, of course. Um, but if we're going, if we're sticking to my uh, my favorites. It would either be Magic Johnson or Kobe Bryant. They would be the fourth that I would add. And I've got both yeah. of those in my office. I thought about bringing four, but I thought, no, we're talking Trinity, so I'm going Yeah, you three. can't have magic with the Trinity. I mean, it's supernatural. It's not <laughs> magic. So, nice. Well, friends, this last Sunday we talked about uh, the final statement in the Apostles' Creed on Jesus and his ministry and what he did. Uh, and it's the statement that, he is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And part of what I wanted to address in the sermon was judgment. We can judge things that are good. We can judge things that are bad. But for most people, if it's bad, we don't like the idea of judgment. I'm just kind of curious. Um, one of the scriptures that people like to quote, it may be one of the only scriptures that non-Christians know. That's making an assumption on my part. But when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And I just made reference to that in the sermon saying most people don't understand that. So kind of curious what your understanding of that and what your take on that particular scripture is. Yeah, I wanted to read read that the whole section of that just to give us some context. You're kind of a suck up. So it says, do not judge others okay, and sorry. you will not be judged. <laughs> I, I, I judged you, sorry. I was just ignoring it. I was just moving on. I'm, I'm pretty good at okay, that. Okay, let's start again. Let's try it again. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Okay. That's you know that's the, the quote, right. right? As you continue, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Okay, from there's the a, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot there, right? We're talking about hypocrisy. We're mm -hmm. talking about um, expecting, holding others to a standard you're not holding yourself to. Right. Um, you know, there's there's more to it than just how it's taken out of context of, oh, you can't judge people. Um, I, I think it's really speaking more to the standard at which we're holding people to and not just judging them, but also being the judge and the jury and condemning them right. and wanting to punish them for whatever you're judging them on. There's a difference between saying something's wrong and then wanting to punish someone for doing that, if, if that makes sense. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a passage that is taken out of context repeatedly. What are your thoughts on that? Um, no, I agree. I just I feel like it makes everything a level playing field at that point. Like we are all... Um, we are all subject to to God's judgment in that manner. Like we're, um, I mean, we're all, we all have to kind of take an account at the end times of, of what we've done. Okay, this this is a great segue yeah. for where I want to go I, because I figured because I remember you talking about that in your sermon. So. You know the the idea that Jesus' mission on earth was not to judge; yeah. it was to save. Um, but somehow or another. I have experienced, I don't know if y'all have experienced, whether you've experienced personally or you've observed it somewhere, that people use the judgment of God as a threat for an evangelistic tool so people get saved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
You know, what's, yeah. what's your response to that? I Personally, I'll, I will say I typically don't want to talk to people about the judgment of God if I'm trying to help them find their way to following Jesus. The, the, the threat, there's, maybe once upon a time that worked. I think we sh- shared that last week. Yeah, we week. talked a little bit last week but about that. But it's, it's not something that, that I'm a big fan of. Well, I will say that um, it works, and I'm proof, because <laughs> that's one of the reasons that I decided to make a decision to follow Jesus. Right. Because, me, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, at a see you at the poll after party um, when I was like 15. Um, and the guy was talking about, you know, if you get hit by a bus on the way home, where are you going to go? And I was like, I want to go to heaven. And so that's what spurned me on to follow Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of like multiple times if I had to do an altar call <laughs> um, because I, I wasn't totally, I, I didn't feel assured of my own salvation. Sure. Um, but I so, feel so like the, the, this guy, you know, works. if he got hit by a bus yeah. question, yeah. did you know him? No. See that, that's for no. me why I don't like to use it. I had an yeah. experience. I think I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> my mom let me take the car to drive to the store to get something. But, you know, obviously I didn't even have a permit. I'm 14. And when I was coming out of uh, the store, this guy says, when you just stepped off that curb and a car ran over to you, do you know where you spend eternity tonight? And the, my answer, honestly, was, yeah, I'm, I'm confident in my salvation. But I said no because I wanted to hear what he had to say. And at the end of that, uh, you know, well, here, you know, say this prayer and then it was like, you know, so at this time on this day, you gave your life to Jesus and you'll live forever in eternity. Never asked my name, mm-hmm. never told me his name, mm-hmm. never followed up, never invited me to church. Mm-hmm. It was like he just needed a notch in his Bible. Mm-hmm. And that was, to, to this day, that method is offensive to me. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't know that I would ever do that, but I am, I am grateful for the person who spoke those words and started a journey for me but but they weren't threatening you no they weren't they they were just asking a question if if you got hit by a bus you know i mean now that part of it to me has more integrity but did he ask your name no no it was just like an open invitation to like a crowd of 20 it was an after party yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so um yeah so there was no personal invitation but uh, my church followed up with it so that was that was good Mm -hmm. yeah you want to weigh in? Yeah, I just think that anytime you remove the relational aspect of disciple making in all the steps, right? We know that there's lots of steps in that, and, and one one of the steps is sharing the gospel or, or giving someone the invitation. But outside of the context of relationship, and you didn't have a relationship with that particular teacher, but you yeah. said your church followed up. Yeah. Your church was there. Yeah. There was follow-up. There was relationship yeah. there. Um, I think that... Uh, the relational, like we've talked about it with the Trinity, right? We've talked about it. God is good and great. We've talked about the relational side um, that we can't remove that, or we shouldn't remove the relational side from the discipleship making process. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if you don't know someone, uh, you should be con- trying to connect them to a local church. You know, I've talked about short term missions with students before. We go a lot of times, and I like to do partner with missions that have a their foot on the ground, have an established relationship in the community. I don't want to just drop in somewhere, try to lead someone to Jesus and say, well, I hope you find a good church. I'm going back to Oklahoma City. Right. Um, and so I always pick 
ministries that have long histories that we are there representing Jesus, representing us, but representing that ministry. Mm-hmm. We're connecting them back to that ministry right. because relationship is such an important aspect of disciple making. So again, you know, my experience, my baggage, you know, I don't really like to talk about the judgment of God, but there is judgment. Yeah, there is. There, there is judgment. I actually read something last week that was basically saying, if you're talking about Jesus and you're not talking about judgment, you're being dishonest, right, with people. Well, and so I've, I've just come with a whole list of things that I want to read today. You got a full clip. Welcome to Josh's reading session, uh, because I've got like four things I'm wanting to read today. Okay, all right. And so this this passage, I think, is referenced in the book, uh, but it's one that I I lean on quite a bit, and it comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 10 through, I think, 15. That's in the book. I already know the passage. It's in the book. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now we're going to start talking about judgment here. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. So we're not talking this judgment isn't about salvation. Right. Salvation isn't about our good works. It's not about how good we are. It's not about any of those things. It's about our relationship with Jesus. It's about God's grace. Yeah. Right. So, But if the work is burned up, that builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall, a wall of flames. And yeah. so the foundation is sure is the is salvation yeah, right it is solid the the foundation of jesus is sal, uh, salvation any other foundation that judgment is you don't i don't know you right mm-hmm. you've done this in my name and that in my name but but i i don't know you knowing jesus being in a relationship with jesus that is the foundation that saves us how we live our lives is important because in the end time when judgment comes if we've not made the best decisions and we've not built with good materials we're going to lose it all <laughs> it's yeah, going to be yeah. burned up but, but we l- lose everything but the foundation right yeah. exactly yeah. but if we're if we're being led by the fruit of the spirit if we are um, building and you know investing in the things that do matter that do have eternal significance then it won't be burned up it, and and so um, I think sometimes when we think of judgment, we only think of the the salvation side of judgment, mm-hmm. um, and we make it a very legalistic thing, right? Versus a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I find myself here moment of confession that you know my internal monologue that I have to fight is sometimes I I see other pastors doing things and it just angers me mm-hmm. because it, it lacks integrity or it seems to be unscriptural and Don't judge them you know I know I've got to get <laughs> this log out of my eye I'll be able to uh-huh. see it more clearly yeah. uh, and I've got a friend and he'll talk and he'll say well they're going to face the judgment of God and it's like well yeah so am I, I that's why I don't think and that's why I said Sunday I don't think we, when we're judged that we have to stand before God and give account for every thought, every deed, every little thing we did. I don't think we're going to have to do that. And in preparing for this today, one of the things I thought of that I really wished I'd said in the sermon was 
you know, my confidence when I am judged, because he's coming back to judge. My confidence is that I won't be judged for what I've done. I'll be judged for what he's done. And it never occurred to me that when Jesus came to earth to save, what he did was he allowed himself to be judged so we wouldn't have to be. Right. Yeah, yeah it's such a beautiful a beautiful image, mm-hmm. you know, when you, th- when you really think through that. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. You got some more thoughts, too. It's Bonnie's reading time. Reading time with Bonnie. I just wrote it down, though. I I don't have it on my phone. Um, So this is 1 John 4, 17 through 21. It says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Um, I'm going to stop there. Um, So the, the thing about... Um, about this is that yeah, are we going to be judged? Yes, um, but Jesus has already taken our punishment. Right, and and that so was my part in the sermon yeah. is to say, you know, some people because they know judgment is coming, they want to share the gospel with everybody, yeah. which again is admirable. We want people to come to faith in Christ. Other people are absolutely terrified yeah. by the idea of judgment, but our confidence, and I love mm-hmm. how it, it says it in that scripture. It's like, you know. Because uh, fear has to do with punishment, but perfect love casts out that fear. fear. And and that's why I said, you know, I will be confident on the day of judgment, not in myself. (laughs) That would not go well. (laughs) But confident because of what Jesus has done for us. I really, I I feel comforted by this idea of of judgment, which is kind of silly. But um, really, that's a point I was trying to make. Well, good. Okay. So, but like when you think about it, people get really excited when you when you think of the word karma. Well, karma's going to come back and get them. <laughs> we don't believe in karma. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. But people talk about this all the time, but then, and, and like, they don't like the idea of judgment, but the idea of karma they can get behind, right? You get what yeah. is coming to you, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's this friend that's like, you know, God's going to, yeah. they're going to have face the judgment of God. It's almost like every bad thing they're doing, God's going to judge them. God's going to judge us all. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's line item, ooh, when you were in the fifth grade. And, you know, somebody made you mad and you thought bad thoughts and in your mind said bad words. I don't think God's going to judge us for that. Well, and here's the thing. when On Judgment Day, when God is looking at me, because of my relationship with Jesus, because of my faith in Jesus, God's not going to see me. God's not going to see right. all my failures and all my sins. God's going to see his son. That's mm-hmm. part of Jesus stepping in place for us. Right. Is that I'm not saved on what I do, and you've said this, we're saved by what Jesus did mm-hmm. and did for us. Um, and so, yeah, the judgment looks much different than than what we maybe have built up in our, our minds at times. Right, and there's obviously so much in Scripture that talks about judgment and the day of the Lord. We don't want to ignore it. Uh, for me, it's just not something I spend time talking about, but I confess every time we use that creed, I believe in it. Yeah. And, and I do believe in it. It's just not something I'm afraid of. Yeah. So, gosh, we could keep going on this. But we got the Holy Spirit to talk we about. We got to talk about the I believe Holy Spirit. You know, in, in German, it's a Heiligengeist. You know, not a Poltergeist. It's a Heiligengeist. So, uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, <laughs> one of the things I'm probably going to say this Sunday with Jesus, it's, you know, uh, Jesus Christ is only son, our Lord conceived by the Holy Spirit. You, you get all these statements until he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And then it's just 
I believe in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. So my thought is, if, if we're not advocating that we can do this, but if we got to write the creed ourselves, which Tennant in his book says we can't do. No. Uh, but if we did, what are the things you would say about the Holy Spirit to flesh out the work of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? Yeah, I thought, so this is one of those things that I want to yeah, read. You got another scripture for this us? Is of, well, this isn't a scripture. <laughs> this is an excerpt from the book. Because okay. I loved how he put it because it's so succinct, right? Um, and so I really thought, like, how would I put this in my own words? And, and I, I think he puts it perfectly on the first page of chapter 9, which is on this chapter, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. Second paragraph, it says, In order to appreciate the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity, we must see how it finally reconciles two twin truths about God. On one hand, God is high and holy. He dwells in unapproachable... Oh, I'm reading the wrong... I was going to say, that's that's good, but I don't think that's what you want to read. I, no, I want to read that, but I, I'm going to read that... Later, okay. maybe it's page fifty-five. It's it. So this is so there were two excerpts. This was the one that I really loved how he put it. He says the Spirit empowers us and sanctifies us for effective service and witness. Service and witness. The Spirit intercedes with us and within us, teaching chapter us eight. effective yeah. prayer. Yeah. The Holy Spirit teaches, instructs, and admonishes us as we read the Scriptures. Right, which is what John writes in his Gospel when he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will remind you of all the things I have taught you. Right, yep. The Spirit applies and nurtures the fruit of the Spirit. There we go. In our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the Spirit gives us direction and guidance in life. And yeah. so those are the things, like, I just loved how he puts that. And, um, and he even goes on, and I don't know if it's in that same section or a little bit later, then to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's what I was, when I read that in the book, that's what made me think. If we could write the creed, if we could give more explanation to here's what the Holy Spirit does, what would we say? Now, in in my experience as a Methodist, we tend to emphasize the fruit of the spirit and what did we spend nine weeks preaching on that this past summer remain fruitful and the 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 point the reason for the fruit of the spirit is to build up the body right and and that's that's one of the things that's interesting when you look at the fruit of the spirit versus the gifts of the spirit for so long the gifts of the spirit have been used to divide the church when you think about speaking in tongues you think about healing you think about these things and there's arguments and this and that and the church is divided the fruit of the spirit unifies mm -hmm. now i'm not speaking against the gifts of the spirit no but when not understood properly um it, it has divided the church i i never thought of that before i really like that because what i was going to say is you know my experience at oru in really dealing with people that were pentecostal and charismatic in in their church traditions it's about the gifts mm -hmm. and you know i can remember them saying well you know what did john wesley say about speaking in tongues Wesley wasn't really engaged in that. He was well, interested in the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, and there are some that say if you can't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Yeah, yeah. And, which and, we disagree with. Right. You know, <laughs> I want to make that clear. I, I had a student a long, early in my ministry. I was probably first one or two years in ministry, in youth ministry, and my student went to a, a campground, and they um, kind of, it was one of those like, all right, we're going to go in this building here and you're going to learn to speak in tongues and you're not leaving here until you speak in tongues because, uh, you're not saved if you're, you're not, not. Yeah. You haven't been baptized in the Holy spirit yet. Right. And, uh, he just 
was struck. I mean, he was 10 years old, 11 years old, whatever it was. And, and, uh, he just started blurting out spaghetti yeah, and ran out of the room. Dabba doo and Scooby doo too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I think I've shared that before, but he's spaghetti, spaghetti. And he ran out because he felt the, the, the pressure that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. Yeah. So start speaking. And, and so, yeah, it, and when not understood properly, there's been some really unhealthy ways that we've thought of and taught and pressured. And, you know, Paul talks about like, you know, there was even people who I have this gift and so I'm better than them because they have that gift. Yeah, whole Corinthian and, problem. Yeah. yeah. So, Bonnie, let me ask you, when you think of the work of the Holy Spirit as manifested in the life of a believer, what are the things that come to mind first for you? Um, I think of sanctification. Well, honestly, the, the Holy Spirit's involved in all of the processes of, of God's grace. Like, the Holy Spirit is involved in the process of helping people to awaken to the idea. I was going to say, your Wesleyanism is showing. Of God's love. <laughs> so, the, yeah, so, yeah, sorry. No, that's all good. <laughs> we, we affirm uh, it. Okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, the Holy Spirit is there and... and helping us to see and guiding us um, towards God from the very beginning. The Holy Spirit is there to help us um, as we are justified. The Holy Spirit is there sanctifying us, um, which I think is really, really fascinating because um, I was I was geeking out a little bit and I was looking at some of the my old my old papers and stuff from seminary. That, that can be a fun and dangerous <laughs> experience. But um, I, so I was going back and looking about like the Holy Spirit and how like the arguments that the Holy Spirit is God. Um, mm-hmm. And so Basil the Great at one point is one of the um, Cappadocian fathers. Um, he um, his one of his arguments that the the Holy Spirit was God. Um, was that the Holy Spirit sanctifies and only God can make things holy. Therefore, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is God. And so that's one of the main things I think of is that the, the Holy Spirit is making us holy, making us m- more into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways we used to say it is holy is not just descriptive of the Spirit. It is the definition of the Spirit's work. It's to make the believer holy. Um, well, and the Holy Spirit is the main way God interacts with us today. Mm-hmm. Right? When you look, we at, don't see flesh and blood, Jesus. No, when you look, when you look at Scripture, right? Old Testament, the primary way God interacted with us was God the Father, mm-hmm. Creator. The primary way in the Gospels, Jesus enters the scene. Not his, you know, he's always been there, but is born the incarnation. Yep, right. Um, that's the primary way. For that time period that God interacted with creation, and from Acts on since Pentecost, the primary way has been through the Holy Spirit. Right. That, and, you know, when you talk about the Spirit bringing us together, it brings to mind that in the Old Testament, to discern God's will, you know, they cast the lots or mm-hmm. the Urim and the Thum, you know, this is how we're going to do this. Uh, but... In the book of Acts, after chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes, they don't do that anymore. Right. You know, and I love the places where it says it seems good to them and to the Holy Spirit that this is, you know, whether it's setting apart Paul and Barnabas for work or, or whatever. So, wow. Time flies. <laughs> Time flies. We could get a lot more, and, and, and maybe we should. I, I actually. Uh, I can talk about the Spirit and the Spirit's work all the time because I love it, whether it's Wesley's understanding the Spirit is one that calls us into relationship with God, but also the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us less like we are and more like Jesus. And so, uh, friends, we it's just, again, it has been a really encouraging um, 
time in this series. I, I believe a lot of people are uh, finding fruit in this and strength through their own lives. Uh, we have two worship services each Sunday. We, of course, have the first service at 9 o'clock, and there are uh, some adult Sunday school classes, Sunday school class for children, Sunday school for youth. Uh, and then at 1030, we have another service. The children actually go to children's church. The youth are worshiping with the adults, and there is uh, at least one adult Sunday school class that meets in that time. We would love to see you on Sunday mornings. It is a great time. Also, just want to remind those of you that are listening who are members, if you have not turned in your uh, commitment card for our stewardship campaign, we would love for you to do that uh, this week if, if possible. So um, any closing thoughts y'all have today? I just wanted to um, say a quick thank you to everyone who participated in Fall Fest and who brought candy, yeah. um, to everyone who came. Um, just what a, a great um, event and what a great way um, to celebrate this time of year. So. Yeah, Fall Fest was awesome. Last week of midweek is tomorrow night, Wednesday, November 1st. It's going to be a great uh, end to the semester for midweek, and then we will kick midweek back off February 7th. So we'll take a little break. Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow night. Thanksgiving dinner. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and a little surprise yep. at the end tomorrow night. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Share this with a friend if you think it's helpful. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.